Welcome to the Weird Eye Podcast. We are your hosts, Adrian Spataro and Bogdan Andrusak. And in this episode, we're going to talk about AI, the politician of future. Adrian, I thought we already did an episode about crime. Why we are talking about this again? <laughs> Because... Political crime is a bigger topic than normal crime. It's a very special kind of crime. <laughs> On a serious note, AI has been used and is going to be more used in the future in politics. Whether it comes to governance and governments optimizing their processes for politicians to get elected, AI has a big potential and is being used already heavily in governments. So let's briefly talk about what are the hopes of AI? What can we really achieve with this? First of all, we want AI to help our leaders to make better decisions. The idea is that data-driven policies can enable governments to run more efficiently. Like even though maybe we elect good politicians who have good intuitions on the problems, having a data opinion on the problem will help them have more objective decisions and to see also the ramification on the population and overall well-being. So the first step of politics is to get elected. <laughs> and in order to get elected, you maybe make a big marketing campaign, right? Try to bring voters, kiss a baby, you know, all that stuff, what you do to get put elected. Some, put some tweets online, <laughs> some spicy tweets. <laughs> And the best way to get elected nowadays is actually with data. The first case where data was used extensively was actually during Obama elections, at least when it comes to yes. And both his 2008 campaign and the last campaign he when he was reelected used extensively data from the internet, more specifically His team used data mining techniques in order to micro-target for the election and therefore reducing the cost needed for their marketing campaign. While Obama operation focused more on identifying swing states and in order to convince them. So the team actually focused more on swing states where there was a high likelihood of a big voter turnout. So if you have a big voter turnout and if you can target them, then you can most likely win those swing states. That's like the idea behind this. Trump also was very heavily data-driven and he took a different approach. And instead of doing this with the swing stage, what he did is he had this messaging and he tried to find the group of people hyper-focusing on them to speak to them. So what he did in, in their campaign that they basically segmented voter groups And then they had like focused messaging, target messaging for every of those groups. So as mentioned, hyper-targeting people, adapting slightly the message in order to win their hearts, so to say. So we also heard about Cambridge Analytica, right? A classical story where you would use AI exactly for this purpose, to get elected more for less. And now with like social media, especially Twitter, it's so it's possible to collect sentiment of people uh, to different topics, uh, and that's a free data. You don't even need to do some 
illegal data mining, breaking personal data, just checking the Twitter is a quite, can give you a quite good overlook what people think about different topics. So now we got elected. We are now running either we are president or we have some function where we can decide policies. How can AI improve LCS in policies? Well, one application is using AI to simulate policies. So one of the most big topics when it comes to governments is taxation. In, there's a paper called The AI Economist, Improving Equality and Productivity with AI-Driven Tax Policies. The basic idea is you can simulate an economy with millions of time in order to create a fairer tax policy. In, the, in this paper, they trained two AI agents. One AI agent, which is the person, the individual who works, collects resources, pays stuff, the average Joe like we and also a second agent, which is the AI economist, which tries to find a fair taxation. And the way it does it is it tries to maximize productivity of a society, but also to maximize equality. So when you would, for example, take the free market idea, there you maximize productivity, but equality, not so much. The equality is quite low. The US federal system is something more in between. And with their AI, they found a policy which has a good mix of productivity, very close to the free market, but a, but equality also very high compared to the free market. So it finds this, you know, this equilibrium between those two things. And the way they did it, as mentioned, simulate the economy, put some taxation policies, and those policies then are define how the environment will work. Yeah. So UN employed... AI or more specific data analysis for uh, tracking transition of HIV, like mother to child HIV uh, transmission in Uganda. So they combine different data uh, sources to build this overview system, which can more precisely to tell the real situation. And with this more precise data, they can decide on their policies better uh, to see how many assistance sh should be sent to the region or what levels of intervention uh, they need to take. And uh, there is other examples where, so AI doesn't directly like build the policies, but the information and analysis that uh, it provides can help people to make the decision. I agree. So it's not only the decision making, but also communicating or processing information. So, for example, in the Swedish town of Cholerborg, they automatically issue social benefits based on the systems which takes incoming applicants. So you apply and it will just then cross reference with other documents which are similar. And based on it will just find a similar applicant like you. And based on that, okay, you're extremely similar to these people. We will give you these social benefits because you match very similar as, as a profile. So it's your if you already have a policy in, in, in place, it can help you enforce that policy somewhat automatically. And in that regard, instead of having a level eleven people doing this boring manual laborers work only three people are doing it just putting it in the system and the system doing then automatically calculating or giving you the social benefits 
And uh, I think knowledge mining can be used in this field because like governments track a lot of data and often it doesn't come to mind to many people just to combine several sources together because they don't see immediate benefit but sometimes maybe deeper deeper analysis and combinations of several sources can indicate new ideas and maybe new policies can be created for this most of the data in in governments are tabular data. So we have some information about people in different contexts, and maybe some time series information like how the transitions, uh, data over time for those people. For me, this seems extremely similar as data from the, from the finance sector. As we both know, as we worked previously in a project like this. No, I don't know, but I didn't I never work in any financial projects that I can talk about. Correct. We never talked, worked on any financial project and we never worked in a project which was related on predicting fraud. But in case, but in case you would want to do the pro fraud detection, you, tabular data is very common. It's basically all those uh, fraud detection algorithms use tabular data. So implementing fraud detection in different regards, like if there's some tax evasion or if there's some kind of let's say uh, discrepancy in their in in their public life in whatever way the the public interacts with the government you can detect outliers and even detect fraud in your system however this can be also bad sometimes ai so sometimes you, if you, if your policies are not really clearly defined or badly defined it can have a negative effect so one example is back in the day, I think in 2017, 2016, related to France and universities. More specifically, how, how the system works is that you do your exam, like your final year exam in high school, and then you can apply at universities, at, at the public universities. And the way you apply is that you select your top three choices and then a system will then automatically put you in the university based on your preferences and giving your grades and so on. There was a lawsuit regarding the algorithm and they, they had to release the algorithm publicly and they found that the algorithm actually was discriminating students. More specifically, if you had a residency in Paris, then it was more easily to get into the top elite universities because they're all in Paris. So there was a problem here because there's obviously an enforcement which might not be ideal on the policy making side because it was not clearly defined how you assign these places. So yeah, ethics, what's your thoughts? So generally, when it comes to data collection done by government from people, it's always very icky question because it's always, you know, with good intentions. But I believe it can build a way to, let's say, autocratic government when they will have a infrastructure already in place to collect data and then they will have all the data from the citizens already in place. So I think governments should limit the data collection 
to required minimum and not to go with the approach like oh if we can collect it let's collect it and see what we can do it in, with that in future so i think it should be done just case on case basis with a good argumentation and showing a real need and real benefit of collecting such data and not just say oh it's for security reasons we need to monitor all calls that said governments already have so much data which i don't think they're exploiting enough it's underutilized and as we showed you like either automating some processes or finding new patterns in their current policies like okay this policy is affecting this way based on our data i think governments definitely before they even ask more data do more with your current data because that's not utilized to its maximum potential uh, the other problem that i see is that like who develops those algorithms for government it's not it's either a lowest bidder or some big company and in the market you know there is ibm amazon google and there's other products but in the end it can happen that all governments will use ibm or amazon to develop their policies and then in the end we will end up in the case where like three big ai companies develop policies for all the countries and that's not 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 the power that i think should be given to the companies and uh, and other, otherwise it's uh, if not using the help of big companies that have all the ai knowledge and resources to do it then who else will do it because if you do it let's say with universities you don't always get like the best resources there or like people oriented on solution because universities are good at researching something and not not de- delivering something that is stable or can work in production let's say it's very important that's to have explainable ai instead of treating like a black box and how the policies are defined to really ai explain why it decided to do this and this is very that's good news at least for now because there's a lot of research in this direction to let AI explain itself because then this would somewhat overcome the problem of policies gone bad since the AI has to argument for itself why it decided for this policy. So it's a, not a, I know your problem is more deeper. Like okay, <laughs> it's the free companies are VIFing this AI, right? I get that part, but it's very important to mention that. It's not only that, the, it's also the problem that if treating as a black box, as example here with the French universities, right, that it was a black box, it was in, this, deciding for you. Letting the eye explain why it decide you're going to this university is a big step in bringing AI, which is ben- more beneficial than negative to the people. Yeah, and then, then it's like, you know, when you demand it to be explainable, sometimes you, you cut some applications that maybe not are as explainable as uh, as let's say random forest correct that's why there's big research in deep learning and explainable ai it's getting every day better i remember i like with transformers there's so many methods to let you 
So when it comes to text classification, there's so many methods now to tell you why the algorithm decided to classify the document like that or this way. I'm quite optimistic that even for very complex data and complex problems, we would have AI which can explain actually in pure text why I decided for this. So I'm quite optimistic. I don't know about you, but I'm... Well, but uh, the, other, the, the other thing is like public trust. It's, uh, hard, it's hard to convince people to trust science that like uh, uh, vaccines doesn't actually kill people. Well, so imagine how hard it will be to convince people that, you know, we should trust this system to, to give us uh, some regulations. It's like if there's a policy which in hindsight looks bad, but if you look a bit deeper, it's actually very good in the long term. Uh, yeah, I can see that's definitely a complicated situation. Um, that said, I remember reading the artificial intelligence in the public sector report by Microsoft. The public trust when it comes to AI it actually incre- increased. So people are more willing to at least experiment with AI and public wants to see at least are willing to give it a shot at least. So it's, I don't think it's so bad as we would think in the future. Yeah. But um, other big thing is like, who is responsible for the, the like policy that was made by AI? Is it people who approve it or who, who is, who is considered to be the author of this policy? So for me, the answer is, more straightforward, maybe I'm simplifying, but for me it's the AI never really enforces a policy. The AI gives you a recommendation and you, the politician, you decide to go with it, maybe go slightly adapted or don't do it. Because they, if we know that the AI is, has to explain or, okay, you have, let's say, a hypothesis and it analyzes that hypothesis for you, you are the creator of that policy in day, even though it was AI-assisted you're still the author of that policy. So if you enforce it, you are responsible for, for whatever consequences it may have. Yeah, but I think it, 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 for legal reasons, it's very hard because it can, it can always be claimed that it's, you were misguided because it, either the system guarantees 100% accuracy which I don't think any system can guarantee and will never guarantee. And if it's not, like they say they guarantee 99.9% and then you enforce the policy and something bad happens because, oh, it's uh, that 0.1% that the model didn't predict. That's why it's very important to, to take it as a recommendation since, and this will automatically put the, the, the for me, it's like the politician has to make the decision. And if you if you was misguided, in a day was a recommendation of a lot of factors which you take into account: your intuition, your past experiences, and so on, like history and stuff like this. So I don't I, I don't think that you can give them the the free free <laughs> free parking. Uh, <laughs> no, how it's called the uh, get, go, out, of jail. get out, out of jail card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So talking about that, maybe we can just completely make uh, politicians AI, like replace, the, move human out of the loop and make AI making a policies and forcing policies and completely have a virtual politician. What about if it already happened? Really? <laughs> 
So, so, so far, no AI politician, virtual politician has been elected, but there are three cases where AI tried to become a politician. <laughs> so the first one which I saw is during a presidential election in Russia, where a person named Alice ran as a candidate. But And the slogan was the political system of the future. And while Alice didn't win, she did receive 20,000 votes. And to be, to be clear, Alice is not a she, it's a it, and it was an artificial intelligence. And it was created by Yandex, which is the Russian equivalent of Google. And now Alex, Alice retired to be a virtual assistant of Yandex. So <laughs> you can, if you use Yandex, you can have a president, a, le- a, candi- a candidate as your assistant. <laughs> There's also something similar to in, in New Zealand, right? Sam, right? Was it? Yes, uh, Sam. And I think the third case was the mayor of Tokyo. C- correct. There, there, there was in Tama City, which is... Uh, there was an artificial intelligence which uh, went for 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 mayor. For mayor. That artificial intelligence, the owner of it, it was not a person. It was owned by the vice president of SoftBank, Mikihito Matsuda. Hopefully, I didn't misspell his name so badly. And also a former Google Japan employee. So, interesting enough, it's not really there's a virtual AI. There's no such thing as virtual AI. There's we don't have self-aware AI yet as we see like in science fiction movie it's always controlled by some person so in essence this AI you could say was controlled by the vice president of SoftBank and this Google employee it's a glorified chatbot at this moment the virtual politician but let's say okay let's go let's say that they they want right this chatbot let's say one in end, who would enforce the policies? Whatever policies, it would be whatever these guys or the team behind it would decide, right? Yeah, I mean, like in real life politics. <laughs> but but the, there's the difference here, right? It's like you have you have total control over the politician here, right? You, it's not like um, you mean like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it's also. I think like all of these three cases were like stunts. And I think in the case with Russian, it was nominated, but it was not in elections. And like, you know, you can nominate anybody for elections. But I actually to be in part of elections, there is like requirements. First of all, you need to be, I think it's in all countries in order to, to be uh, in government or in, as president, you need to be a citizen of that country. And AI is not a citizen by definition. So is it possible that in the future we will give citizenship to AI? Didn't Sofia got citizenship? Yeah, I think that was the case in, was it Saudi Arabia that gave Sofia the citizenship? Yes, correct. That was in Saudi Arabia, yeah. So yeah, that's a one precedent of... Pot- potential president. I would say it's a non-biological thing getting a citizenship because I think animals can be like not citizens, but yeah. at least you know 
some relations to countries because animals get passports right. so they have some documents but i don't think ai ever was considered for a citizen uh, ever before yeah so she was given a legal personhood so she's a legal person basically so that that's a issue the, that's a issue or like a question that can arise our ai can be a person Again, Sofia is what? It's the team behind. It's, yeah. it, and it's not even a good chatbot. <laughs> it's not even a good chatbot. It's not chat even a good chatbot, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like a bunch of... GPT-3 is, is more entertaining than Sofia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And uh, But it's it's a, like, you know, it, I think at this level, it's like far, far, few, far science fiction, like Asimov level, like... and. It's 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 not what we can see now. It's uh, far far in future. So yes, AI helps in policies making. I think it's very useful, and I think it should be more widespread. So the policies are not made just on feelings and just screaming on each other, but on factual evidence that like you cannot deny and pretend that they don't exist and say that global warming is fake. So that will we have a virtual politician? Not anytime soon. I believe you believe what can be used, like politician using chatbot as a system, like, you know, ask Joe Biden question directly. And there's like a ch- chatbot that is like, I'm Joe Biden 2.0. Yeah, it's more like, okay, we know the policies and you have a more or less a chatbot which will look in the knowledge base and will give right to base the policies of that. So it's, again, AI here is just a tool that people use for purposes. It's not a self-governing governing system that makes decision. What are your thoughts on politics and AI? Write us on LinkedIn and tell us your opinion. You can find the reference notes in the description. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever. I'll just do the music. And... <laughs>